because it is nine. Morning, everyone. This is the Project Foster Power panel discussion. We have Jordan here, who is the Youth Empowerment Specialist at the Rocky Mountain Children's Law Center. And she's gonna be leading us through a discussion with a group of panelists who are former foster kiddos. Jordan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Foster Source, for having us. We're really excited to be here. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. I know for me, I had to, I have my coffee next to me. I'm going to be continuing to caffeinate uh, through the whole training. Um, but thanks for being here. Um, today's training or today's, you know, conversation is all about place me placements that better meet young people's needs in care. Um, like Anna said, I'm Jordan. I work at the Rocky Mountain Children's Law Center, and I have the privilege of being the adult ally for Project Foster Power. Um, and you'll hear more about what Project Foster Power is in a moment. Um, the training that we're here together for is about two hours, but please, you know, take care of yourself, go use the bathroom, go stretch. Um, it's morning time, so you know, bear with us and we'll have that Q&A at the end. Um, we do have opportunities to interact. Um, we understand that you all are muted and just watching today, but please, you know, interact with us through the chat and Foster Source is going to be reading that out loud. We'd love to hear from you all. Um, there'll be plenty of opportunities to do so. Um, but let's get started. If you guys wouldn't mind, um, Project Foster Power, we're gonna get started with some introductions. Um, let's go around and share our names, pronouns, your role with PFP, and then why you are involved. Um, I'm gonna pass it to Kara to get us started. My name is Cara Panazon. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. Um, I'm a core organizer with PFP. And I also recently spoke at the Colorado Children's Caucus as a panelist. And um, I got involved with PFP to turn my pain into power and make things better for future generations. It's all about the kiddos. I'm a mother of one. Awesome. I'm going to pass it to Zai. Hey, I'm Zai. I am a core organizer with PFP, and I go by she, her pronouns. I got involved with Project Foster Power because I think it's a great way to um, give back to the community and create um, active change for current foster youth and anybody who um, presents themselves in that situation in the future. And Barnabas, are you available to uh, share next? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my name is Barnabas. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am an alumni member. Last year, I was a core organizer by Kara and Zai. And I am a part of Project Foster Power because I believe that you may have had a good experience or bad experiences within the foster care system, but that there's overall systemic issues that I feel we all must address. And so that's why I joined. And Sammy, would you be able to go? 
My name is Sammy. I go by she, hers. Um, I'm a lead member with PFP and I'm involved in PFP because I believe in the power of youth voice and I believe in creating change as well for our future generations. I think there's always room for improvement and there's a lot of room for improvement in the foster system. So I'm happy to be an advocate for that change. Thanks, Sammy. Kiana, are you available? Hi everyone, my name is Kiana and my pronouns is she, her, hers. And I am the lead organizer of Project Fossil Power. And the reason why I'm a part of this movement is just like, you know, everyone has mentioned, is just creating positive change within the foster care system. Thanks for getting us started with introductions. My pronouns are she, her as well. Like I said, my name is Jordan Gundell and I am the adult ally that gets to help um, support the youth-led, youth-organized work that Project Foster Power does. Um, if we could have the slides pull up and we will be on slide three. Um, and then once that's up, Sammy and Barnabas, if you guys could get us started with talking a little bit about who Project Foster Power is. All right. Hello. Am I good to go? Yeah. Yeah, go for it, Sammy. Cool. Sorry. So uh, Project Foster Power, we're a group of current and former foster youth. Um, we're from the ages of 15 to 25 and beyond. Um, we're working to improve the child welfare system through youth-led organizing and advocacy projects. Yes. And to add on, we are making a collective difference by sharing our individual stories. So we turn our power into, we turn our pain into power by making a change for the youth of tomorrow. Thanks. We can go to the next slide. Zai, would you talk to us a little bit about what is this youth action cycle that we see on the screen? Yeah, so the youth action cycle is a tool that we use. We follow it just like a roadmap and it helps us create a plan, stick to that plan, and then create real change in the system. There are seven steps in the youth action cycle. And so it starts with crafting our vision, learning about the system, and then step three is listen to ourselves and other youth around us. And so step three is really important. It helps us choose our issue for action. And we just listen to all the youth voices across Colorado that we can. And we see what changes are most burning to those people. And we sort of incorporate that into what our plan is going to be. So yeah, step four would be picking an issue of action. Awesome, thanks, bye. Um, and then how, oh, you explained how PFP chooses an issue for action. We do a lot of listening to young people across the state. And from that feedback, um, we get to hear from youth and um, really understand what is it that they're hoping to see change in the foster care system. Thanks for that, Zai. Um, Kiana, could you tell us a little bit about um, collective voice and why that's so important in the work that PFP does? Um, yes. So collective voice allow us to make a larger impact when we stand together. Um, 
it gave us the uh, power to also feel like we're not alone in this. Uh, it provides us with the structure to facilitate the expression of what we're trying to change. Um, we also do PFP events, um, different activities to amplify youth voice, build connection with our community and plug members into our action. Awesome, thanks. We can go to the next slide. Um, Barnabas, would you talk to us a little bit about how Project Foster Power chose last year's issue for action, improving supports for young people exiting foster care? Yeah, definitely. So we came to that specific issue for action uh, through, as Zai shared a little earlier, um, we do a lot of listening basically. So we have something called the burning wall where we go all around the state. Uh, it was done um, pre-COVID, but you know, we went around the state, we heard lots of youth voices. And what we kept hearing was that there wasn't really adequate support in place to help youth feel ready when they exit care. And so through that, that's how we decided that our issue for action would be improving supports for young people exiting foster care. Um, from that issue for action, you guys developed these best practice recommendations. The first one that we're diving into today, um, there were placements that better meet youth needs, self-care and community and education and employment. Um, how did PFP choose these three areas to dive into and create recommendations for professionals? Yeah, so we had a lot of discussion um, with our members at our member meetings. And, you know, I feel having this discussion with all of our members, with the core organizers, we were able to see that most of it fit into like very specific um, like areas. And so um, we saw that there was self-care and community, education and employment and placements. And so through that, that's basically how we created um, the recommendations in those three key areas because we kept on coming back to those three specific areas where they didn't feel prepared when transitioning and it had a big impact uh, when they did exit from care. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Barnabas. Um, and that wasn't the only thing that you guys did last year. You take on, like Zai was showing with that youth action cycle, when we're developing the plan and taking action, there are a lot of different ways that you all take action each year um, to improve the system. Would you talk to us, Barnabas, a little bit about what else you guys were doing last year? Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, one thing that we did was that we supported legislation that was being uh, brought to the legislator, like the 1094 bill known as the Foster Youth in Transition Program. And we provided ongoing implementation support through Kiana, uh, who's sitting as co-chair on the Youth Advisory Board. And that was a big accomplishment. We were very, very excited that we were able to help bring that to the legislation. And additionally, we did a letter tour. And so we basically went across the state, uh, both virtually and in person. And it basically was all about uplifting youth voice and basically listening to how they felt about how 
they did not feel adequately supported. And we were able to help share a lot of these voices to professionals and places that they may not have been able to share otherwise. And additionally, we've been able to do a lot of skill building workshops with our members, uh, such as, for example, making sure they felt very, very confident and sure when sharing their stories. Thanks, Barnabas. Um, Cara, can you share a little bit about what's next for PFP? We just chose our next official action. So after months of organizing, collecting opinions, handing out surveys, stuff along this line, those lines, for our 2022 to 2024 issue of action, we chose the Youth Can campaign which is basically giving foster kids the same experiences as their peers, such as school dances, joining sports or clubs, um, having sleepovers with friends, those key moments of childhood. Another name we threw around for the name was the Let Kids Be Kids campaign because that's basically the basis of our next campaign is letting kids be kids. We found that across the board, a lot of us felt like we were ostracized in a way. Thanks, Cara. We're so excited for that upcoming campaign. Before we dive into um, placements that better meet youth needs, I was wondering, Renee or Foster Source, if there were any questions that people had so far. We had one come in just asking about how you all connect with the youth that are on this panel now, how you make those connections. How do we connect? How does Project Foster Power connect with the young people that are on today? Yeah, yeah and, and when you travel the state, Jordan, how do you get the word out to youth that they can share their experience? Yeah, I'm happy to start this one off and then Project Foster Power jump in if I'm missing anything. Um, so Project Foster Power is hosted by the Rocky Mountain Children's Law Center. Like I said, that's where I work. Um, so Project Foster Power is you know, always there for young people when they want to join and be a part of the movement. Um, started in 2017. Um, the young adults that you see on the call today are all a part of the leadership team. So they are the brains of the operation. They're the ones that push the work forward. Um, but we have members, like we talked about, where we listen to members all across the state. And those young people, like Sammy described earlier, are um, young people who are between the ages of about 15 and 25 plus, um, who have our current and former um, foster youth. And we connect with them by going to the young people. So we go to group homes, we go to residential facilities, go to youth homeless shelters to do these different events and connect with the young people. And then they get to really decide um, if they want to join in the movement. So they can come to our monthly virtual member meetings and um, I'm happy to share the information for them to be able to join or you are all welcome to reach out to us directly. Um, some of our contact information is on the materials uh, that we'll be going through today. But as we go around the state and hear from young people, um, 
we're really building that collective power like Kiana was talking about and the young people get to decide if they want to join the movement um, and if it you know makes sense to them. So that's kind of how we grow our membership and connections with young people across the state. We also just to do outreach. Ooh, Cara, will you repeat that one more time? Because your computer got a little bitchy. One more time, because your computer got a little bitchy. Is it better Not totally, but can we come back to you? Is it better now? Yeah, it sounds like it. We just had another question come in. Yeah. Um, one of our uh, foster parents asked, young people struggle with speaking out because of repercussions. How do you reach youth who are in homes, not in group homes alone? How, how do we reach out to young people who are in homes, but not in group homes? Yeah, I, I'm assuming that he's saying, you know, a repercussion of being in a house where they might feel um, unstable if they were to speak out? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And Project Foster Power hop in here too. Um, I think that a lot of the times when we're talking with, first of all, like professionals, so spreading the word about Project Foster Power to caseworkers, to GALs, to group home parents, foster parents. Um, we're talking about Project Foster Power as this community to come together. So whether the young person is joining for that first time and really just like listening to the way that we um, do our action or hold a member meeting, um, they're welcome to join and participate at whatever level they want to and kind of like build up that comfort level to be able to speak out. Barnabas talked about um, some workshops that we do. We hold workshops throughout the year. And one of them is how to safely and effectively tell your story um, or safely and effectively speak up so that when the young person is feeling ready to turn their pain into power, like you heard a lot of Project Foster Power saying, um, they feel ready and they're able to do so in a really effective way. Um, but I think that you know, sometimes it does take the buy-in of a team or a foster parent to really understand what's going on. And so that's when like I hop on the phone and, you know, talk about what Project Foster Power is all about, what that meeting is going to really look like. And a lot of times Project Foster Power leadership on the call today hops on, hops on that call with me to explain what it feels like, what how empowering it can be to be on those meetings. Um, can someone from Project Foster Power talk about what it's like to be in a meeting and what that feeling is of community? It's a little spotty, but let's see if it works. My first meeting, I was pretty overwhelmed by how not alone and broken I felt. It's because my internet connection is unstable. 
It is a little bit wonky. If you want to write in the chat, I'm happy to read it out loud. Um, could I call on another person from Project Foster Power to share a little bit about the experience of joining a member meeting? Sure, I can. Uh, I feel like I joined kind of recently, like within the last, I think about a year ago. So I kind of have that fresh experience of um, it's not always easy at first to speak up because the things that we're talking about aren't the most pleasant of times in our lives. So I know for me joining, it felt, it felt empowering though and comforting to know that there were other people out there having very similar experiences to me that were also wanting and having the same desire and passion for change that I carried throughout all of those years. And to know that there are people out there paying attention to the things that need to change for youth that are still in the system because our life isn't normal as it is to be where we were and to be put in that situation. So to have added things on top of it that need to be changed that make our life even more difficult weighs a great burden on kids. And so it made a huge difference to feel a part of a group and to have a team behind with the same goals and mission of change for youth. So it took time obviously to build that like friendship and that trust. And I found one person and I kind of connected with them and they brought me into the group a little bit more. And I think it just, I've seen it's different for every person and their level of comfort and their level of confidence and just their gaining we're gaining trust with each other and then we're gaining our voice out in the community and going through that process is really cool. And I think it helps us grow as well as empower and to learn about how we can create change with our stories in a productive way. So it's been a really cool experience. And I think that's kind of what it's like joining um, Project Foster Power. Thanks for sharing that, Sammy. Cara, I did get your stuff in the chat, so I'm going to read that out loud. Um, Cara shared that they felt way less alone and broken and more connected to a community. They shared that they are a disabled parent, um, so they don't get out much. And Cara, I think that Jody put in the chat a uh, trick that you might want to try. But thanks for sharing that both out loud, Sammy and Car in the chat. Really appreciate that. Um, we will definitely have more opportunities to come back to questions. And I'm always available if there's a foster parent on the call that wants to talk more about how to empower a young person to join and about that, you know, feeling of um, feeling nervous about speaking up. Happy to talk more through that offline. Um, so we're going to dive into placements that better meet youth needs. Um, you have a copy of this, and I believe that uh, Jody might put this copy in the chat. You can follow along as we highlight some of the best practice recommendations that Project Foster Power leaders on the call today want to talk to you about. Um, but this training is just going to highlight some of those recommendations. You will see in your copy that there are a lot more, um, but you're going to have the opportunity to hear directly from 
um, PFP about why these recommendations are so important, and then to have the opportunity to think and share in the chat um, how you might incorporate the recommendations into your day-to-day, -day, into your home, into your work. So we'd love to have that interaction piece. Um, as Kara troubleshoots their internet, um, PFP, I'm wondering if you're following along and maybe if we can hop in, I might have Barnabas hop in here, but we can go to the next slide. Can y'all hear me all right now? We can hear you. Um, actually, we can go to the next slide and then Kara, if you're ready to talk us through these prompts, that'd be great. Perfect. Yes, ma'am. So throughout the meeting, we have these three prompts for y'all to reflect on. And we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on these. I'm going to read them out loud. They are one way I could better support a young person is. I have the ability to support young people by... And when I leave this training, I am going to try to. So sit on those as we talk, let them ruminate, and please don't hesitate to share your thoughts and feelings with us because as much as you'd love to hear from us, we'd love to hear from y'all. Thanks, Cara. We can go to that next slide and we're gonna jump in. Um, Best practice number one is all about incorporating youth voice in the placement process and that communication is key. Um, Zai, would you get us started with sharing which recommendation under this best practice tip that stood out to you and then why it was so important? Yeah, of course. I think it's really important that we think creatively about ways to introduce youth to potential placements. Maybe the young person has a chance to interview the placement, do a trial visit, or even spend respite time in the home to see if it's a good fit for them. Um, it really takes a lot of time to process a change, especially a big one like moving. So try to take it slow with youth and introduce youth within the same placement to each other whenever possible. And you can also make it fun when you're introducing youth to other youth. Maybe have a sleepover, go out to the bowling alley, um, you know, really be creative with it. And so some of our members remember getting kicked out of a placement and moving into a new one the exact same day without any warning. And that could be a really stressful situation and it could really feel like their whole lives are being ripped away from them. Personally, I was notified months in advance about a move and that helped me really trust my team it made me feel like I was being supported and listened to. And then I was able to say my goodbyes to people um, and really just prepare for that move. So that's what I'd say is just be creative when, <laughs> be creative when you're introducing youth to potential placements and also try to give them a heads up if you, if you can. Thanks, I that was super helpful. Um, Sammy, would you talk a little bit about another recommendation that stood out to you under this tip and then um, share a little bit about your experience with it? Oops, you're muted. 
Okay, there we go. Of course. So I think that it's really important that we talk with young people about their placement preferences. Um, I think this like involves looking at their top three priorities. Maybe it's location. They want to stay close to their school or to their friends or their other connections, perhaps their family members who are healthy for them, of course. Maybe they prefer a home with only younger children. Maybe it's a home that would encourage connection to the youth's own culture or beliefs. Um, finding out directly from the youth what things are most important to them um, and finding a placement is super important. Um, stress literally changes your brain. So I think it's very important to slow down, to involve the youth, to make sure that where you're sending them is not going to cause them more trauma or that the change isn't going to cause them more separation or loss. You know, there's a lot of grief in our lives as foster kids. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. It's also um, a lot of members remember not having to move schools each time we like had to move a placement. So it made it really hard to keep up in school. And I was fortunate enough to be able to finish my high school out in an online school. Um, but there was times that I didn't want to stay in the school that I was at. Initially, when I was removed from my father's, they kept me in the same middle school. And I'm pretty sure that's how he followed me and found out where my safe home was. And that's what it was. He wasn't supposed to be out and about. He was supposed to be arrested, but he wasn't. So my, I felt that my safety was at danger and I literally wasn't even able to focus at school. I wasn't able to go out at recess and feel safe. And nobody cared to ask me or listen to my voice in that. And so I think it goes both ways. Maybe they want to stay somewhere close and maybe that person is ready for a change. And I think that if that kid had been through that situation and has already reached an age where they're 12, 13, and they're starting to develop, you know, critical thinking skills, then you should be able to listen to them and try to understand what they need. Um, and it's important in making the youth feel heard and involved in their life. Um, and another PFP member also mentioned being moved so far from their parents, it made it impossible to keep up a relationship and see them. And from all of their moves, they weren't able to keep up in school either. That was a very common theme when we were listening to youth. So I think it's just really important to keep this in mind. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for sharing that experience with us. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Kiana. Um, Kiana, would you tell us a little bit about um, a foster home connecting to a youth's own culture? Um, and then what was your experience like with that? Um, yeah. So I think that making sure the foster home is culturally competent is important for youth to feel at home. Um, understanding the youth's full identity can help um, build trust and help them feel seen by you. Encouraging connections to the youth's own culture feels so important for youth in foster care and often gets missed. Um, and also teaching them about culture and like to share foods and the holidays. Um, so like kind of going further into that, like basically like it's important to acknowledge the struggles of black lives and other minority races and the challenges that we face is highly important. Um, starting with the basics of the home is important. For example, 
Um, we all need to eat. However, we all have different style of eating and tastes. Food culture is different for everyone. It's like putting yourself in their shoes and considering trying different culture of foods for the child over youth um, race, such as, you know, maybe it could just be like breakfast or lunch or dinner and just kind of just going out to try different um, foods or hosting like a different um, dinner for each night. Um, I think that kind of creates opportunity of like connection um, and getting to know one another. Um, every family should be giving love, joy and peace, but how to give love to a minority child um, is different and there needs to be an understanding and support around this so that they don't feel um, isolated. For example, um, for me, I have felt alone, like no one really understood me. Um, I was placed to live up north in Well County region area in Jeffco County. Um, when I had attended middle high school, there wasn't many students who looked like me. And that was challenging to feel that you don't belong because of your identity of your skin color. As well in foster, as well in, foster in group homes, I was once told from a former foster parent that they didn't want to adopt me because I am black. Regardless of the race, as a foster parent stepping into a diverse realm to help children and youth, you should love them regardless of their skin color and culture. Um, also consider their style of music and share each other's music helps create opportunity to get to know one another. As I mentioned prior about like sharing two cultures, uh, when it comes to music, uh, it could be a little bit interesting, uh, might be limits and that is okay. Um, but starting somewhere to be open, again, just creates opportunity to build connection. Um, I think also hygiene as a black girl growing up in foster care system, <clears throat> my hair experience was hard to manage in foster care. I didn't have many resources to get my hair done. I felt limited. Uh, in my culture, I'm always used to having my hair done. And when, when going into the foster care system and living with different culture, you know, families, um, it was kind of just difficult to find ways to like upkeep my hair. Um, I did have a, um, a former uh, white foster mom. She helped me navigate the hair process, uh, but she wasn't um, very successful. But the attempt of her trying to help me feel like she cared. Um, and having resources to take care of ethnic hair is important to help the child and or youth feel connected to their culture. And also consider other resources in, in community around inclusion and, and diversity to expand knowledge around others' cultures and how to effectively show up for minority child and or youth. Thanks so much, Kiana, for sharing that with us. Um, Barnabas, I'm gonna pass it to you. Um, would you talk to us a little bit about communication in a placement change and why that communication is so important? Yeah, of course. Um, so communication is so crucial uh, in a placement change. So as much as possible, we're asking y'all to be as direct with the youth as possible about why any move is happening. 
you know, there's of course emergencies where you may not be able to give um, much notice, but try to give the youth as much notice as possible about the change so that they have time to prepare. And this will give you and them an opportunity for closure. So you get to talk with the youth about why placement wasn't the best option for them rather than talking to them. You know, there's a difference between talking with a youth and then talking to a youth. And what we're basically encouraging uh, y'all to do is to talk with the youth. And so, for example, growing up, when me and my siblings found out that we were going to be adopted by an aunt and a kinship agreement, uh, we were not really given the opportunity to talk with anyone about how we'd feel about it, you know, it was absolutely out of our hands. And, you know, it did have repercussions down the line. And additionally, another member shared that their team did communicate openly with them when placements were few and far between in their small hometown. So this allowed the person to suggest friends of theirs as placement options, working with their team to find solutions. And this allowed them to feel like they had some agency in their lives and it made them feel empowered. Like they had at least some semblance of control in their lives. And in communicating with these young people, that's basically what we're encouraging. We're encouraging them to feel they have agency in their lives to a degree. Thank you, Barnabas. All right, we're gonna go to the next slide. Um, oh, Jordan. Yes. Um, we actually just got a question in yeah. mm -hmm. um, pertaining to giving notice to kiddos when they might have a move. Um, one of the participants asked, is it possible that giving a kiddo notice would give them anxiety? What's the recommendation time before the move to tell them? What's the balance between too much time and not enough time? I'm going to turn this to Project Foster Power, maybe to Barnabas. Uh, I see Zai. Oh, uh, go for it. Yeah, I feel like um, to answer your question, it could create anxiety because these situations are difficult situations. So I feel like honestly giving them the most heads up you can is going to be most um, beneficial for the youth because these situations um, aren't going to be the most friendly situations. Expect them to be a little anxious, but also you telling them early on makes it seem like um, you're not blindsiding them. I just feel like it would be a lot, a lot of um, loss, lot, lots of feelings of loss if um, I didn't know about something until last minute or even like a week beforehand. That's just my opinion. I agree with Zai as much notice as possible. Definitely don't wait till the morning of. I can't explain how ruthless that made me feel when that happened to me. Um, and me, I have a couple conditions where I struggle with changes in routine. So having as much notice as I could would have helped me prepare and also hold space for them to process those feelings of loss and anxiety. You're in a parent role, so be a parent. I would 
third, all of that. I've been picked up from an airport, walked in the car and been asked to hand over my keys and cell phone and dropped off at a residential, like no warning whatsoever. And they knew for at least four days. Like as soon as you know, you should let the youth know because either way they're going to have to deal with it. And it's definitely better to give them a heads up. Thanks for sharing that and for answering all of that. Um, I think, you know, something that I keep hearing all of you say is like, talk with the young person, right? Like develop a plan and talk to them. Do you want to be told in advance or does it feel better for you to be told the day before? Like that young person will be able to tell you what they need. Um, and that's what I hear you guys saying over and over in these recommendations is, of course, we know every young person's different, right? Some people might feel really intense emotions and some people just might want to know a little bit sooner to the time that they leave. So having that opportunity to have that conversation sounds like it's really important. Awesome. Were there any other questions before we moved forward? All right. Um, Let's go to the next slide. This is what Kara was introducing to us. So these are our three prompts that we're gonna see over and over again after you hear our panelists talk. Um, you see that best practice number one in the corner. And we wanna give you all an opportunity to turn if you're with somebody and talk through one of these, maybe write down in your notes a, a answer to one of these prompts, but really we'd love to hear from you all. Um, I know you're muted. I wish we could hear your voices, but if you wanted to write in the chat, it would be great to hear um, your response to one way that you feel that you could be better support a young person or you have the ability to support a young person by or when leaving this training, you're going to. So we'll leave a little bit of space for you all to respond, um, but we'd love to hear from at least a couple of people before we move. All right, I see in the chat, Renee said, listen, and then listen some more. Love it. And PFP, feel free to take yourself off mute and respond to any of this, or if you have anything else to add. Mm, another one. Oh, Renee, I think you might, are you posting for other people? No, I'm posting for myself. Oh, okay, love it. <laughs> Fight the urge to solve things. We talk about that a little bit later too. Love that one. Helping with the Royal Family Kids Camp in Northern Colorado. It sounds fun. I'm curious what the Royal Family Kids Camp is. I've never heard of that. Yeah, maybe we can get some information on that. I see another person wrote, giving youth a voice in their journey. See a lot of head nods from PFP. We feel that one. We just got a question that came in. Yeah. It says, I'm seeing that these are teens that are speaking out about their own personal stories. Where are all of you right now? And how has this program helped you be able to speak out and advocate for yourself? 
Yeah. So Project Foster Power, they're asking you um, where are you at right now in life and how has Project Foster Power helped you? To help you to so I think go ahead, Kiana. Um, I just want to clarify, I'm actually an, an adult. I am 27 years old. Um, and I am part of the lead organizer position through the Rocky Mountain Children's Law Center. And I feel like PFP has helped me be able to learn how to advocate for others and also like with policy making. Um, I'm in, currently um, in grad school for social work. So um, being a part of Project Foster Power just helps me get to see what it looks like, how to, um, you know, connect the bridges and be able to support this community. Um, and also like advocate for myself and how do I show up in that as well. Thanks, Kiana. I'll give other participants an opportunity to share too. Um, Project Foster Power is a group of um, current and former foster youth between the ages of 15 to 25 plus. So a lot of the leaders that you see on the call today um, were previously involved in the foster care system and who are now in various uh, different roles. And Cara, it looks like you were gonna share. I am also 27 years old, definitely not a teen anymore. And I'm currently sitting in my apartment. I'm a human services undergrad student at Southern New Hampshire University. I'm a disability advocate and a foster youth advocate with Project Foster Power. I am one of the brilliant brains of the operation. And I'm also a mother to my own kiddo. They'll be five next month. And I'm engaged and have a pretty beautiful life now. A rose from the concrete, as Tupac would say. Um, and I'm Sammy. I'm 19, so I'm barely a teen. I'll be 20 here in a couple months. Um, I aged out of the system. I closed my case last year. Um, I'm living with my grandpa. I have been for two and a half years now, but it was a long journey finding my real family, a very long journey and it shouldn't have been. Um, but now I am now an, also an undergraduate, funny enough at Southern New Hampshire University as well. So I'm joining you there, Cara. Um, and I graduated with my high school diploma, like I said, from an online school. I have a happy four-year-old border collie, Australian Shepherd Blue Healer, who is the love of my life. And I always say who rescued who. So being a part of this group has definitely helped me find empowerment, learn about policy change and gain confidence in my voice and my story and learn how to safely tell it in a way that is effective um, and not lengthy and emotional because it can have that hard middle line. You know, there's always a middle line. So it's been really good to educate myself in creating impactful advocacy work in an effective way. And so that's been probably the most empowering thing to get out of this. Between my therapy and um, being a court organizer with PFP, it has been a great step on my healing journey.
Thanks guys. Barnabas or Zai, did you want to share? I can't see your faces right now. So I want to give you the opportunity. Um, I mean, I'm basically done with my undergrad at Colorado State um, and I'm 23, so I'm also not a teenager, but I would say that the great thing about um, Project Foster Power is that it is really inclusive of the different youth that have gone through foster care and it, it kind of meets us where we're at. And so for some of us, that may mean that we're no longer in foster care, but we still have that experience and we wanna contribute back to making sure that there's a better experience. And there's some people who are currently in foster care and it helps to support them during their time and to empower them while they're actually living that experience in there. So that's, I guess, the great thing about Project Foster Power that it meets us um, where we're at in terms of the um, foster care system. I want to answer Renee's question, if that's okay. Yeah, can we give Zai an opportunity to share just in case she wanted to? Oh, sorry, Zai. No, you're fine. Um, I'm Zai. I'm 21, and I'm currently in college working to be a dental hygienist. Um, I still live with my uh, foster parents, even though I aged out of care, but I think that PFP has been really great for me, just helping build my confidence about who I am and also building leadership and communication skills. And Cara, you can take over. So, as somebody with a disability, let me be the first to say that I'm an expert on me. So I would have much rather been my own advocate during my time in care rather than constantly having caseworkers and GALs and foster parents in and out of my life speaking for me. To this day, it's a big trigger when anybody speaks for me. It always has been. So I would have rather been my own advocate and had my professionals back up my voice instead of overshadowing it. I'd like to add in, I think it's also just important to like take it individually, like to ask the youth, like, can I support you or how can I support you? Or would you like me to advocate this for you? Um, I think it's really important not to just jump in and take the bounds because you want to be like the superhero parent or, you know, you're trying to do your best job. But sometimes when you're doing that, you can honestly like hurt the youth more because they're not used to having that parent right there. And I think that's kind of what we were getting out there. So I think it's important to kind of ask the youth, like, where are they at emotionally and their level of support that they need from you, you know? Um, and what emotional support is um, good for you to provide that youth individually. So I think it's situational and it's not a broad answer. That's my opinion. That's so helpful. And just for those who listen to this as a podcast, podcast later, the question is to the panel, do you like when your foster parent advocates or is the squeaky wheel for you? Or would you rather have that role yourself with support from your foster parent? And thank you, thank you for sharing. If anyone else would like to hop in, I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah, and I totally agree with what Sammy said. It's situational. 
But for me personally, I feel like there's not enough advocacy for young youth. So definitely be an advocate for them. Just make sure that you're fighting for what they want and not, um, not anything else. Thank you all. Um, all right, let's move to the next slide. And Sammy, I'm going to pass it over to you to read this best practice tip and then share the recommendation that you pulled out. So this is our best practice number two. This is to share information to help everyone in the placement be on the same page. So I created a form actually for this, and I think it will be very helpful in helping youth have a voice and with the transition of getting to know each other. So my point was to consider having youth complete a form to help with this conversation. This form should go with any new placement, no matter like you know, I don't think that you should just fill out the form with your first placement and then say, okay, well, this is how the kid is and this is what they like. So we know this, I think, you know, we should revise it and have that kid have the opportunity to fill it out with every new move or change in their life. Um, and I think that this gives the youth to have some sense of control over what information gets shared with their foster parents. Um, I remember when I would switch between placements and go to the doctors or whatnot, and there would always just be a sheet about everything that could have possibly gone wrong, you know, defiant, swearing, whatever. Well, you know, defiant could have got checked off because my crazy aunt said I couldn't wear leggings at 13. All of a sudden I've been wearing leggings for 13 years and now I can't wear leggings like, you know, and it gets checked off for some stupid reason. And then that sheet follows you your whole entire, like, foster care career and it just starts to define you and you don't really have an opportunity to be like yes but this is what I do like I make my foster parents like handmade valentine's cards that pop up and I do the dishes every week and I am grateful for the things I have in my life and these are my ambitions like we never have the opportunity to share that so um I think that this form gives kids the opportunity to let placements know what they want them to know about them and how they can help them transition and support them in important phases of their lives. And I think it's important that this will give the young time person, it will also give the young people time to consider their needs and to articulate them in a very thoughtful way. Um, and to also deliver in a way that maybe might be comfortable because, you know, you might not want to just walk into a home and be like, so this is everything about me. Let me blurt it all out, you know, but to write it down on a form and then to give that person time to reflect on it could be a lot more comfortable of a process. And this was something that I included. It, it should be included in the materials of your training as well. And I made this form to be something positive. Um, you can make your own and you can be creative with it, depending on the youth that's coming into your home. We did that on Google Drive. It's something that you can do at home too, free of cost. Took me a few hours, couple hours max, you know? And you, you might wanna make it creative for somebody who's four or five and give them opportunities to draw or, you know, put Disney characters around it. You know, just get creative with it, make it fun. Don't make it another form. Don't make it another part of just the system. And I think it helps us to, share about ourselves and to also humanize us and to be more than just a file. That's so not all. Thank you, Sammy. Um, Jody posted in the chat for you all that form that Sammy created. Um, and then it's also in your materials from today's training. 
All right, Kiana, I'm going to pass it over to you. Will you talk to us a little bit about the recommendation you picked and why this one stood out to you? Um, yes. So preparing other individuals in the home for the youth's placement, <clears throat> as we have um, been talking about, like placement should not be a surprise for anyone. Um, the child and youth is going into placements that is unknown territory. And it would be helpful to have more background information on where they're going to live to help decrease the anxiety and worry. Um, from my own personal experiences, I went into the foster care system at 13 years old. Uh, and based because of my demographic as well of my situation, um, they placed me in a home where it didn't feel welcoming in the sense of feeling more of like a family and feel loved. It was more religion, more strict. Um, so therefore, I, at the time, I had to advocate for myself to move to another home that felt more of a family environment. Um, throughout my journey, I at least moved to 11 placements from 13 to 19 or so when I emancipated out of foster care. Um, there's one specific memory I also remember that um, I do really vouch on as well, letting the child or youth know when they're about to move. Um, in my situation, um, at, I believe, 17 years old, I found a really good home in Golden. Um, my former foster parents were engineers, and they have um, at least five children and then four, you know, teenage girls and, in the household. And um, so it was a big family, in a sense. And I remember one day my former caseworker um you know, I sensed something was going, like something was off in a home in a sense, because they didn't like allow us to do normal things that they would let us do, like to go out with our friends or have our friends come over and stuff like that. Um, the house caseworker was, you know, constantly over at the home, like more frequently than usual. And one day, um, all of our caseworkers decide to come to the home and told us to pack our bags. And I was told to move to um, Greeley or Colorado Springs. Like those were my only options. So that was taken by surprise. And it was very like, very, very emotional roller coaster to having to be like, not prepared for that. Um, when you feel like you're at home or what your family. Um, so most definitely like having preparation around these things could be really helpful uh, to prepare that child or youth and decrease that anxiety and worry. Um, and then also there's opportunities to educate others, children in the home on the incoming youth and the culture and identities, which is important to make sure that youth is feeling like they're being welcome as well and they're getting to know who they are so they're not taken by surprise. Um, so yeah. Thanks, Kiana. Before we move to that next slide, was there a question about best practice number two? We didn't have a question about just this best practice, but one person did ask if we can share these um, best practices to others to help get the word out like people in the DHS counties we work with. 
Absolutely. Um, any material that we included um, is for you all to spread within your networking community. These are tools that, as you can hear, Project Foster Power created. Um, some of the materials that you'll find in the handouts are from past campaigns. So you'll find youth-friendly descriptions of um, a youth right, youth rights in care, um, and sibling rights, uh, the second campaign Project Foster Power did was all about siblings. So any of the materials that you get, you are welcome to use. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, we can move to that second slide. And Bartibus, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for everyone for sharing for best practice number two. So we are returning to these three questions and um, we would love to hear on y'all's reflections on this specific recommendation, which was once again, share information to help everyone in the placement be on the same page. And so if, like Jordan said, if you're near someone you can talk about it with, you can do that. You can write it just by yourself, but we would love to see some of y'all's answers um, in the chat or the questions, um, but yeah. Thanks Barnabas. I'm super excited to see um, if homes take the form that Sammy created and make their I'm own if they share it with no us. No idea that it was burning. Oh, yeah, I, I love that too. And I'm glad that Sammy, that you mentioned maybe editing it for younger kids, because that's what I was wondering as you were talking about it. And I think the suggestion to have them draw pictures is so cool. Such a great way to have them share about themselves and not have it feel like another, like you said, like another form to fill out. Thank you. Yeah. Also, another way could just be to play like a get to know you game, like a little charade game or something with them at night. Um, just depending on what the mood is, you know, obviously some kids might not feel up to it, but as like another idea I had while like creating the form is it doesn't necessarily have to be a form, but um, to give them an opportunity to like share about questions like what I put on the form is my intention and purpose of that. A little bit off topic, Jordan, but can you tell us what your, how, how is this program funded and, and yeah. how could people support you in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everyone on the call today um, is paid for their time and expertise. Um, like we were talking about before, the Project Foster Power is hosted by the Rocky Mountain Children's Law Center. Um, and so we are funded through grant funding um, at the Law Center through their general operating funds. Um, so a lot of um, that kind of takes that pressure off of the work that we're doing. We don't have to directly fundraise. Um, we get to focus on the action and making change. Um, but the Law Center does do that fundraising for grants and opportunities. Um, and we're, you know, always looking for opportunities to connect with um, new funding sources or new organizations that want to um, support the work that we do. And I'm happy to connect more offline for that as well. Thanks, Renee. 
All right. I'm not seeing much in the chat. So maybe you are all writing on your own, your answers to these prompts or talking to somebody with you. And that is totally fine. Um, we are going to move to best practice number three and hear about some more recommendations. Um, I'm going to read this one and then pass it off to Kara. Um, so best practice number three, if you are following along on the recommendations, um, volume one, um, we are on page three, is all about creating opportunities for youth to experience and enjoy childhood. So the, this idea of allowing young people in foster care the same opportunities as their peers um, was so incredibly important to us as we were diving into these best practice recommendations that it actually became, as you heard, our entire next issue for action. So for the next two years ahead, Project Foster Power will be finding different ways to create change in this space and increase opportunities for youth in care. Um, so we're really excited about this one. Um, Cara, under best practice tip number three, which tip stood out to you? So the tip that stood out to me was teaching youth to have healthy relationships, navigate personal privacy, and set boundaries through the use of phones and social media, and also to support them in spending time with friends outside of school like hangouts and sleepovers. Me personally, I was a truant most of my high school career because, because of my autistic meltdowns and what was seen as bad behavior. I wasn't allowed to spend time with friends after school because I just wasn't trusted when in reality I was just struggling undiagnosed. And our relationships can be difficult at times. Support us in navigating moments by offering guidance when we're struggling with communication and connection instead of just giving up and kicking them out when times get hard. One of our members remembered feeling nervous about something they did and rather than, they, than having a conversation with their parents, they hid. And they wish they would have had help navigating those moments. Another member suggested giving youth some space and time instead of expecting a response right away. That wasn't me who shared that, but that's also important to me because a lot of times my foster parents would be in my face looking for a resolution to a conflict. When in reality, I was having a meltdown and I needed the sensory input to stop. And to have, if I would have been given 10, 15 minutes alone to process my feelings and calm down, then I would have felt comfortable having a conversation. But since it was pushed, it came into a fight. And don't force house rules just because rules are rules, but consider what's going on in that youth's life and mind at that moment. Give them the opportunity to make mistakes because your bio kids would make mistakes, so why would you expect different from foster kids? And also let relationship growth be natural. Don't force it. 
It's a processor adjustment for y'all and for the youth. So just let that process be a process. Thanks so much, Kara. Um, I'm gonna turn it over to Kiana. Um, Kiana, would you mind sharing which recommendation you picked under best practice number three, and then what you want professionals to know about this when working with youth in foster care? Um, yes, the one I've chosen is Valley Youth Agency. Set you up for their futures by giving them practices and using their voices and making decisions. Um, send a message to the youth that they are insiders in their life decisions rather than outsiders. Preparing the youth to be able to communicate effectively when using their voice and make decisions, especially if they are about to transition out of, um, out of the foster care system. It is important to know how to speak up in all situations, such as with a landlord, with employers at the bank, um, and just advocating for themselves in general. Um, this helps youth set up their futures and have a voice in figuring out what they want in their lives to look like. Find opportunities to help them practice raising their voices, just like Project Falls of Power. This is a space to step up and speak out with the support of a community. Finding a small opportunity to have the youth make decisions within the home, like what should it be for their dinner, or having space to share with you when they are not at their best, uh, to help speak their truth. Thanks, Kiana. Sammy, it looks like you have a guest with you on your lap. Um, are, you, are you? I am good to read, though. Okay, You're awesome. Um, how about you? Which recommendations stood out to you? Um, so creating household rules and consequences that are reasonable for the developmental level of each youth. Um, so this really stood out for me because one time, you know, I did, I went off campus during lunch and a half and my aunt took away swim team from me. And it was in a really critical time in my life where swim team was like my coping skills. It was my lifeline. It was my way to get out all the emotions that I was having and focus on just my breath. So I think it's really important, you know, to be mindful of the consequences that you're making for the youth when switching from placement to placement. Um, it's very hard to see how each different home's baseline rules were like how all the home's baseline rules were different. Um, so all youth in foster care are going through something very difficult and it's important to give them space to have feelings. Um, we shouldn't take away their extracurriculars like I was saying swimming, football, soccer, music club, drama, whatever it may be as consequences, we should look for alternatives. Um, that is our social lives and that's a part of our lives that are important um and another member shared that it feels helpful to have all of the rules written out so there are no discrepancies um it will help avoid conflicts in your homes by being transparent and other pfp members also shared that having time with friends and the opportunity to connect with their peers and and extracurricular activities and other opportunities should be fun and a part of everybody's childhood um, we should make sure that you should make sure that you are trained in the reasonable and parent and prudent parent standards. 
And this will give youth in their care opportunities for self-discovery by helping them find and choose activities to participate in and by supporting the connections they build with friends. We should always find opportunities to say yes. Thanks so much, Sammy. All right, we can go to that next slide. All right, so once again, we are at these three different prompts. And this time it is for the best practice tip that we just went over with um, Sammy and Kiana. And so uh, we would love once again to hear from y'all if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts or just any answers um, to these three prompts, we'd love to hear them uh, through either the chat or the Q&A, uh, but I'm gonna read over these prompts just so um, y'all have time to give answers. But basically, uh, once again, the tip was, create opportunities for youth to experience and enjoy childhood. So the first prompt is, one way I could better support a young person is, I have the ability to support young people by, when I leave this training, I'm going to try to, and once again, no pressure, but we would love to hear from um, y'all and love to hear what y'all say. As people are thinking and maybe writing in the chat um, responses to prompts, um, I'm wondering if Project Foster Power, if you guys wanted to say anything else about this tip or about, you know, if any life options. Yes, ma'am, I have something to add. Go ahead. I also um, think we should emphasize the importance of teaching independent living skills because when I got out of prison and, or Betty Marler Youth Services Center, prison, whatever you want to call it, and went into my own apartment, I had no idea how to pay my Excel bill. I had no idea work skills. I had no idea how to get in school. And uh, that ended up with me hooking up with a man that was way older than me, and he's actually the one who caused my nervous system condition that left me disabled. And put, I could have been spared an eviction that I'm still paying off and a lot of damage if I would have been taught like my parents would have taught me. Thanks, Cara. Yeah, those um, opportunities to build those um, skills when they get ready to transition out of, of care is a big thing. Um, I see a couple of responses in the chat. Um, Renee, did you want to read those out loud? Anna, do you want to go ahead? I, I'll just say that as a, as a foster parent, what, what I'm learning in, in this class, especially re related to this prompt is, I feel like a lot of times as foster parents, when I would read something like create opportunities to experience and enjoy quote unquote childhood, I would feel like it has to be something huge. 
right? Like, okay, now I have to take the child to Disney World, (laughs) right? Where what I'm learning from listening is just everyday activities, right? Just normal, just being a typical family with the youth. Is that accurate? I feel that's very accurate. I mean, I looking back, it wasn't the like a missed opportunity of going to Disneyland or something like that, that like I look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I had that kind of experience. It was more of like, oh, I wish I could have had just more like sentimental moments where I felt like I was appreciated and I was cared for in that setting. Um, so yeah, I don't think you don't, I don't think it has to be an extravagant um, form of yeah. like action. It's basically shown through whatever action the youth will feel it if it's genuine. I think even providing support is like a big thing, like, you know, taking them to activities that matter to them or like Kiana said, making sure they have what they need to do their hair or just those basic things of being support, like to care for that child as if it was your own and to love them like your own and make sure that they have everything that you would need, just like somebody that you're, you brought into the world. And I think that's kind of what it's like. It's kind of how about like normal family experience of supporting that kid and engaging them in life activities and skills. We've had a couple come in. Um, One of them says, I think a huge thing missing is support for your own children when having to do all that's required for kinship children. My own children have been overlooked by the system and also need help, just like kinship or foster kids. It really affects the entire house and it's really set up around the kin and foster kiddos. Mm -hmm. Um, One person said, one way I could better support a young person is to listen to understand and not listen to respond. Someone else, one way I could better support a young person is to allow them to express themselves and not silencing them. I love asking teens, how can I make your make you successful in your home or in our home? Hmm. What was one thing in a previous home that you did not like? And how can I help you have a voice? I love when I get to help advocate for yourself. Those are great. Thanks for reading those out loud, Anna. And thanks for sharing those. That's that's awesome. It's really important for Project Foster Power right now to have that opportunity here from you all because they've created these recommendations and the hope to spark change and spark some new ideas in, in your homes and in your practice. And it's great when we can hear the way that, um, that you're thinking about it and the way that you might incorporate it. Um, I think that we're ready to go to that next slide. Kiana, I'm going to have um, you read this one out loud, best practice tip number four, and then tell us the recommendation you wanted to highlight. Yeah. Um, exploring healthy coping tools with youth as an alternative or additionally, additionally way to manage prior trauma. Make sure you do this before seeking medication. 
So youth in foster care um, are going through so much. As you guys know, they come from me, like traumatic backgrounds. Um, if they don't learn how to find coping tools that work for them while in care, they won't have the skills as they transition out, um, out into adulthood. Um, skills that can help them will be like running, exercising, taking care of their selves, and exploring different art mediums, maybe like creating, um, maybe they have like an artistic heart that can be very helpful. Um, also as well, um, medication is not the answer for everyone. So it's really good to kind of find ways to like, find ways holistically to really be able to help that youth or that child. Um, I think holistic ways are more beneficial than medication. And that's just from my own perspective. Um, I do apologize, my phone's kind of going off here. Um, I do want to recommend a book um, that might be helpful to apply along the youth's journey of healing. Um, and I don't know if you guys might have heard this book before, but this book is called um, The Body Keeps the Score. And I'm just recommending um, this book. And basically, it, um, it keeps the score of the brain, mind, and body and the healing of trauma. And this is what the book looks like. I don't know if you guys can see it because it's kind of, hey, Barnabas, you have the book too? Yes. That I makes love me happy. Most um, definitely recommend the book. And I can also type it in chat for everyone to see. Um, but I think just finding ways um, to heal the mind, body, and spirit in holistic ways can be very beneficial for that child and youth. As I mentioned, um, they're you know, are dealing with a lot of trauma. And if they're not dealing with these traumas at a young age, they're taking it into their adulthood. And that's creating like these negative statistics that foster youth face with like being in unhealthy relationships, homeless, drugs, um, that are kind of like setting up, setting them up for failure. Um, but if they have the opportunity in their home to explore ways to how to manage their emotions can be very beneficial. Um, for my experience in the foster care system, I unfortunately didn't really get the opportunity to do that because I was also moving home to home. So then that means my body is on survival mode. Um, as I got gotten older, I learned how to heal myself and I go to therapy, doing EDMR and like just find holistic ways of healing myself and breaking those generational cycles. Um, so I really encourage ways to find ways to help um, that child in youth um, be able to find ways to help them learn to work through their own trauma. Thanks, Kiana. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Zai. Um, Zai, under best practice tip number four, which is include youth in decision-making around prescription medication, um, which recommendations stood out to you? And what do you want professionals to know about it? Totally. So we all think it's really important that we talk about medical recommendations and make sure that the youth understands what that medical recommendation means. Involve them in making decisions about their bodies and be sure they understand that taking medication doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. 
it's really important that you understand that youth know their bodies best. So if they're telling you that they need treatment, listen to that. Or if they're saying, hey, this treatment's not really working for me. Can we look at something else? Also listen to that. They're probably not saying that for no reason. They're not trying to get out of um, improving their mental health. It just might not be like the right medication for them. And one of our members even shared that they needed to take medication while in care. And people told her that was an easy way out and that she couldn't manage her own emotions because she was taking these medications. So it's really important that you just reinforce positivity with them, tell them that um, it's not an issue that they're taking medications and also inform them what's going on with their bodies because your health is your future and it's really important for every aspect of your life. So just listen to the kids. Thanks, I. Um, Kara, I'm gonna pass it over to you. Um, which recommendation did you pick? I picked listen to youth when they tell you a medication isn't working or doesn't feel right in their bodies. Trust them to know their bodies best. I'll reiterate, kids are the experts on themselves, just like y'all are the experts on yourselves. Everybody's an expert on themselves more than professionals. Allow youth to have bodily autonomy. For example, when one of our members started a medication, they told their team that they were having a negative side effect, that the team basically brushed them off and didn't believe them. Eventually, they changed placements, so they gave them a test that showed the doctors what prescriptions would respond well to their body and which wouldn't. And turns out the med they were on was one that didn't respond well to their body. And after that test, they were able to get the medications right. And me personally, I was just diagnosed off of my behaviors that I was showing, not the root cause of those behaviors. Uh, the system failed me. I was given a neuropsych eval in Betty Marler Youth Services Center when I was 17 or 18, and that gave me my autism diagnosis. And I tell you, as soon as I got that autism diagnosis, I understood that I wasn't alien or broken like I had been made to feel. I wanted like I had been made to feel. My behavior significantly improved because I was being taught ways to manage them that worked for my neurotype instead of just having medications thrown at me for bipolar, BSPD, whatever autistic AFAB get diagnosed with these days. Um, and also, like I mentioned, working with the youth to get to the root causes of behaviors before relying on medications, that's very important. Thanks so much, Cara. All right, we can go to the next slide and I'll pass it to Barnabas. Hi everyone, once again, we are returning to these 
three prompts. Uh, and once again, uh, we would love to hear uh, y'all's thoughts on these prompts pertaining to the best practice tip. And so um, I'm gonna quickly read over the tip once again, and then I'm gonna read over the prompts. And once again, we'd love to hear what y'all say. So the best practice tip was, include youth in decision-making around prescription medication. So after hearing what these panelists have said, one way I could better support a young person is, I have the ability to support young people by, and when I leave this training, I'm going to try to blank. Once again, no pressure, but we really are enjoying hearing y'all's voices and y'all's thoughts pertaining to the different best practice tips. Okay, I can read through some of them. Um, so uh, Renee said, I feel like the word of the day is listen. And yeah, that's really true. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. Um, Rachel said, I have the ability to support young people by informing them of all options available to them, such as medication, coping strategies, holistic approaches, etc." cetera. Mm. Thank you. And then uh, I believe Megan said, listen as well. Renee additionally added, we need to step back and listen, stop trying to solve. Knowledge is power, informing them of all options. And additionally, Caitlin said, when I leave this training, I'm going to try to listen to youth rather than talking at them or for them and by asking their opinions. So I agree with all of y'all, like listening and including them on um, these decisions. It's about them, so we should listen to them. So thank you for all of y'all's thoughts and for what y'all shared. So thank you. Yeah. I want to echo something that was shared earlier, um, that oftentimes young people in foster care feel like outsiders um, in their own lives. And I hear all of these recommendations really um highlighting that these are opportunities to have youth in care feel like insiders in their own lives um, through little ways and big ways. And I love to hear that you all are taking that in and figuring out ways to incorporate that into your home. Thanks for doing that. All right, we're gonna go to the next slide. This is our last tip of the day. Um, best practice tip number five, which is listen first, trust youth. So Renee, you're right. Listen is the word of the day. Um, Kiana, would you mind sharing about the recommendation that you pulled out um, and a little bit about your experience? Um, <clears throat> yes. So the one I chose here is allow the youth to make mistakes and be their guide, be their guide, back, um, basically guide them back on track um, and not disappearing. Um, from my own personal experience, I have former foster parents who were going to adopt me, but didn't because I made a, um, a mistake. That consequence was huge for the mistake that was normal for my age and where I was at. Um, during that time, I was going through a lot, a lot of like peer pressure, a lot of like just rebellion and like 
just a lot of like different things. And at the time I decided to make a decision to run away. Um, but I did return myself back home, realizing the mistake that I made. And because of that, um, you know, it was, and the foster youth and children you guys are going to take in, um, you know, they're going to be at high risk because of the trauma that we have come from, the backgrounds we have experienced. We are, um, you know, dealing with a lot of emotions and challenges, so we don't make the best decisions at time. Um, but it's just important to have a foster parent to be there still, regardless to support you. Um, considering giving us grace and letting us learn from a mistake, um, be able to forgive. This creates a healthy relationship between the foster parent and foster youth. Foster youth and kids in general, in general will test you and want to see if you'll stick around. Uh, make sure that you do so. Treat foster youth like you would treat your bio children. Um, and don't give up on them. You know, they really are wondering if you guys are going to stick around and really support them. And um, and I understand that there's limits, you know, um, but with some of those situations, hopefully um, as a foster parent, you can continue to show that unconditional love for them, uh, even through the challenging times. Um, when the youth make mistakes, there could be other things going on inside. Um, having empathy, take a step back and understand that they are dealing with a lot. Um, so yeah, those are the tips I have. Thanks, Kiana. Um, Sammy, how about you? Could you share about um, a tip that you really liked under this uh, best practice tip number five? Yeah, so one that I really liked was when talking with youth, we should listen to understand instead of listening to respond. So this looks like taking a step back, taking a breath, being curious, asking questions, and trying to understand what is going on, um, and knowing that there could be something that you can't see. Um, an experience I had with this was at a young age, 13, when I was put into care, I expressed having chronic pain in my lower back. And nobody really listened to me. They said, it's stress, it's anxiety, it's, you're too young to have back problems. And they didn't take into account how much I was thrown against walls as a young girl, and that it's very possible that I could have back problems that are severe. And it wasn't until I was 17 and a half that a group home within the first four days of me living there, took my request seriously because they understood what girls went through and they did take me to go get an x-ray. And it did show that I had a fractured back from years before and that my disc had even started slipping forward from the lack of support. Luckily, my body was able to grow bone around that disc and stop it from slipping forward even more. But what if it didn't? And people weren't taking my request seriously and I didn't receive proper care and I didn't receive treatment for this pain. And it's just until now that I'm able to take care of myself and that I'm an adult, that I'm receiving physical therapy for my injuries because nobody listened. Nobody tried to understand and nobody even cared to take into account that my history makes me different than a normal 13 year old. Thanks for sharing that with us, Sammy. Um, I'm going to turn it back over to Kiana uh, to share that this last tip of the day that we wanted to highlight as a team. Yeah, 
Um, do, your um, do your part in communicating with the youth no matter what. Your relationship will be strengthened if you both and the youth practice a resolution cycle. When you make a mistake, use this as a model to repair and take accountability in the relationship. Youth learn by watching you. Um, so sharing another experience of mine um, as like an example, um, me, and my me and my former foster mom, we had a journal to communicate about things. Me and my foster mom wrote back and forth to each other. This can help someone learn how to advocate for themselves, especially if you have like a shy child or youth in your home. Um, this can be able to help create, you know, dialogue and communication through you both. Um, as a foster parent, you can own your mistakes and come back and sit down with us, show us how you hope we will handle a situation. Um, if you ever come across one of those situations where, because, um, you know, as foster youth and children are going to make mistakes, as foster parents, you guys will also make mistakes as well. But being able to acknowledge those mistakes and talk through those mistakes and move forward is a really um, kind of just, you know, giving role modeling, um, bring in a third party or like a therapist or a life coach to help us gain communication skills could be also helpful. Um, I myself am a life coach and I'm also wanting to like practice in a therapeutic realm. So I think just having those skills and like teaching that to a youth or a child can really help them just learn. Like it goes back to like learning how to advocate for themselves and speak for themselves and how to deal with their emotions and show up. Um, when you are a foster parent, you are um, you are taking in youth from all backgrounds, religions, and whole identities. If we clash, um, if you guys were to clash, to have the responsibility to respect the youth in their home, um, in your home, sorry, not their home. Um, just finding ways to like, again, this kind of goes back to like um, demonstrating to them how to be able to show up and like talk through challenging conversations. Um, that youth or child also are missing some good role models in their lives. So having foster parents as our um, as their role model can help demonstrate of how to be able to communicate effectively. Thanks, Kiana, for highlighting that last recommendation. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Kara, who's going to guide us in um, our last reflection to the prompts. If we could go to that next slide, and Kara, I'm going to pass it to you. So now we're going to go over these prompts for all the best practice recommendations. I encourage y'all to make it about the youth in your home, whether that's your own children, foster kids, hopefully all of the above instead of you. And um, we'd love to hear y'all's answers. Awesome. So for this one, like Cara was saying, 
Um, you can respond to that last best practice recommendation we were sharing about, which is listen first trust youth. Or if you had an idea from past recommendations, they're all up there on the screen um, and the last opportunity for you to share with us. But um, I like what Cara was saying, like thinking about the young people, these prompts are to think about how you're going to incorporate these recommendations um, to support them in your homes. And we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. All right. Renee wrote, I feel like as caregivers, we often think we know what's best. Um, as a foster parent, we need to remember that it's not all about us. That's privilege speaking. This is about the child and how to best support them. Thanks, Renee. I really feel like that resonates well with Car, uh, Were you going to respond to that? Yes. Thank you for mentioning the privilege involved. much. All right, we'll give like 20 more seconds if people are writing stuff to us and then we'll go to the next slide and Barnabas will wrap us up and then we'll have some Q&A. All right, go for it Barnabas. All right, thank you so much, Jordan. So <clears throat> I, first of all, wanna thank y'all so much for joining us at today's training of placements that better meet our needs. And so we would love and hope to see you at our training courses in the future on our other two best practice um, recommendations focused on self-care and community and education and employment. And we hope that you all found this very helpful and beneficial, and then will join us in the movement to spark change in practice in order to improve supports for youth ex exiting foster care. So once again, we really wanna thank y'all. And I wanna take this last opportunity to thank you all, Project Foster Power, for joining and sharing your experiences today. Um, these recommendations that you all have created to spark change are extremely powerful. And when you get the opportunity to share your experience and give us that opportunity to listen, um, it really comes to life. So thank you all for joining and um, all participants, thank you for, for listening and asking such awesome questions. Um, I think the next part is just that q and I'm gonna turn it over to Foster Source. All right, and that is the end of class, everyone. I have a question. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Can the panel share a little bit about past legislative initiatives you've been part of? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to hop on that. So, um, oops, Cara, were you going to jump in there? I was going to share about the trans bill of rights, me and Zai did some work on? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to get started with that and then I'll piggyback off you? You go first, I'll piggyback off you. Sounds great. Um, so every year, like we talked about, we follow that youth action cycle to determine what we're gonna work on, what our issue for action is. And starting in 2017, the first um, 
campaign that Project Foster Power ever did was all about youth voice and youth choice. So in that campaign, they amplified youth experience in the foster care system and trained youth on their rights. Um, every year that we have a campaign, pieces of it kind of stick with us and become part of Project Foster Power and who we are. So Barnabas talked about those workshops. We still train youth on their rights and care. Um, and that first campaign was all about just public awareness and training youth. That second campaign, we did the same thing all over again. We went out to the community, listened, and we heard from youth in care that um, their connections with siblings weren't being valued while in care. And so from that feedback, Project Foster Power did the sibling connection campaign. And that was the first piece of testimony or first piece of legislation that they really worked on. So Project Foster Power helped to draft testify and pass, um, unanimously pass, which is unheard of, uh, the sibling bill in Colorado, which is now in law. So we've done some trainings on that, and you'll see that in our handouts also, youth-friendly versions explaining that bill. Um, in this third campaign, which is all about improving supports for youth exiting foster care, that's when Project Foster Power got involved in um, 1094, the Foster Youth in Transition Program, and helped attend testify on that. And Kiana is also sitting on the board of implementation for the youth advisory on that. So we got involved in that legislation. And then with this upcoming campaign, um, to be determined what that looks like, we will keep you all posted. But I want to give Cara an opportunity to talk about um, when we partnered with uh, CDHS on giving some um, recommendations on um, transgender bill of rights for youth in care and in Colorado who identify as LGBTQ plus. Do you wanna talk about that experience? Sure, so I was able to give feedback on the bill. It's basically to provide gender affirming care to, um, youth in foster care who identify as trans, like having men's, men and men's placements, girls and girls placements, regardless of assigned sex at birth, and uh, basically making it a safe place for youth to explore their genders, which I wasn't able to come out until now in my late 20s. I'm actually only really out in a few places. Um, so that was a very empowering experience. Thanks, Cara, for highlighting that. That was really important. Um, sometimes we get involved with legislation that aligns with our issue for action or we create that, that bill or legislation. And sometimes we have partners that bring stuff to us and they ask, um, do you want to support this and back this? Sammy, I'm wondering if you want to share at all about this week, um, about your experience. Sure. I would not mind at all. Um, so I testified for the bill at the Capitol. I went in person. Thankfully, we're narrowing out of this pandemic. Um, so that was a cool experience. It was for, I forget exactly what the title of the bill was the right to counsel. So right to counsel. Uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that. So it's that the GAL represents what the kid wants and what the kid thinks is best for them with, and the judge is the final decision maker. So um, that was 
really cool to be there because you got to see all the professionals testify and give their point and their words. Um, but it was definitely really powerful because you could see the House of Representatives faces switch in interest when we got to testify and share our story because that seemed to really show the power behind why this bill is important. And, you know, there was only two of us there that were able to speak. And one was this amazing woman, a mother who was in care way before I was even born. So that was really cool. And I'm just recently out of care and it was a very impactful experience and they all unanimously voted yes. Um, and it was very cool to hear the House of Representatives responses to why they were voting yes. And you could definitely hear that they took everything that everybody had to say into heart, but especially us. Um, and they took that into great consideration when making their vote too. Um, I especially remember one House representative who mentioned being a new mother and um, reading a book about how it's so important to validate your kid and to listen to them and you know if they say oh it's cold but it's actually hot you don't say no it's hot you know you say oh okay you're cold you know and uh they took a lot of what was said from everybody and they related it back to that and I think that that was really powerful um because that's exactly what we were trying to get across I think when we were sharing is that kids need this kids need to be heard kids need to be part of their life Kids need to be respected and understood and valued because for however long before we were put into the system, we were already disregarded and treated like trash and like a big mistake. So it's important that we do anything in our power to turn that around at this point, because as we've mentioned in this a lot today, stress changes the brain, trauma changes the body. And the more and more we add, the harder and harder it is to recover from it. Um, I've even done a brain scan and it showed that I was stuck in survival mode. And um, luckily it was the kind of thing where they can send electricity back into your receptors and get them functioning to the right level again. And um, I just recently underdid that treatment after being out of foster care and I function better than I ever have in my whole entire life. Like I feel like I'm actually alive and able to process things and engage in my life. And if I would have had somebody to give me that feedback or to give me that challenge and to be like, what do you want? You know, this is what we're thinking of. This is the problem. How do we fix it? And do you want to be a part of it was a huge thing. And I felt like being a part of that testimony and being a part of the process of this bill and other ones before too is really powerful because it's giving us that chance to be like, here's the problem and here's why it's a problem. And I really hope that you take this action to solve it and seeing that like there is a bigger picture going on to solve it, you know, and obviously the house was just the first step and then there's the Senate and Legal stuff is a bunch of mumbo jumbo and it makes everything way more difficult than it has to be, but yeah. there's also a reason for it. So it's really cool to learn more about it and through the process and to get that experience that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So that was really cool. Thanks for sharing that, Sammy. Renee, I know we are out of time. Um, thank you so much for having us foster source and for joining the training happy to connect more um our contact information is on all the forms that we filled out so feel free to reach out but thank you again for having us it has been an honor thank you thank you guys so much thank you to anna for moderating awesome job thank you to my team thank you jordan to you and thank you to the panel this we we are just humbled and honored to have you here thank you all so much